together. I'm Holly Worsley. I'm one of the elders here at Lake Forest Davidson, and I have the privilege of bringing our message this morning. Um, Let me pray for us, and we'll jump right in. Father, I thank you so much for my friend here, Gail. I thank you for her story and how encouraging and um, just full of your grace and and, uh, guidance it is. But I thank you even more for all of my friends here that you know our stories. You know what we carried in here this morning, what we're wrestling with, what we hope for. You know that fully. And God, as we listen to Gail's story, as we listen to your word, as we sing the songs, would you increase in us the belief that you know our story and that you're working in our story if we will allow you to. Father, be in these moments. Speak to our hearts and minds and spirits. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, meet my friend, Gail Gilpin. And um, she has done like a brave thing. It's a brave thing to come into the midst of all of you all and say, I'll share part of my story. And so I talked her into it. And so here she is. Um, And Gail, I'm just going to jump right in and say, will you share with us when you first came to Lake Forest Davidson, what was your mindset? Um, First of all, it's not that scary because you get to use a mic, and that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's going to be up here every week now. I love it, yeah. (laughs) Um, When I I was looking for a church, and I would drive out of my community antiquity and come right past here every week on my way to a church to try and find a church, and I finally realized I'm driving past the church. I need to go in there and check it out. (laughs) So I came, and I really loved the music, and I really loved the message, Um, and I came several times, but I wasn't feeling connected. I wasn't feeling like I was welcome in a way that I was looking for. And I'm not sure where that was coming from, but that was, that was, that was what was going on. So that was my mindset. And then you got asked a very pointed question yeah. by someone dear to you that just kind of... Yeah. Yeah. My son, Nick, is um, in seminary, and so he's my go-to on God questions. And so I <laughs> asked him, I said, I'm going to this church. I really like the church, but I'm not feeling like anybody's reaching out and connecting to me. And he looked at me and he says, well, who have you reached out to connect to? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. It was that V8 moment where you just smack <laughs> yourself in the head. And, and it made me go back, and I had to really stop and think about that. Mm. So what did you do? Like you, I mean, it was kind of a wake-up call. And so was. you took a step. I did. Well, the first thing I did was pray about it. And I realized that I was missing. Um, I used to work with um, kids in a school before I retired. I worked in a middle school. And I was missing some of that. And um, so I decided, you know, that's the place where I need to plug in. I know they have youth ministry there. So I sent an email. And I started working with the middle school youth. And um, it was awesome. Was it what you expected? No, 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 no. <laughs> The youth that I worked with um, in my middle school, they were at-risk youth, and they were kids that had a lot of baggage, and they were mean, and they were evil, and they were just hurting hurting and yeah. broken. And, yeah. um, and I thought that that was going to be what was here, and so I was thinking, this is great. I'll connect with this middle school group, and I'll give them a soft place to land, and I'll use all these experiences that I've had over the past 15 years. And lo and behold, I walked into the most incredible group of loving middle, and you don't use this word to explain middle <laughs> school kids. They were 
awesome. They were <laughs> loving and they were gracious and they gave me a soft place to land. So if I was looking for a church family, they were my first Lake Forest Davidson family. Those That's kids. so cool. Yeah, it was I awesome. I mean, you were looking to give them a soft place yeah. and they became your soft they landing did. and connection and community. Did. They did, absolutely. But then you kept taking steps and yeah. what did that look like? Yeah, well, um, Last year was the year of the baby here at Lake Forest Davidson, <laughs> and so I we was had a able baby, to our own personal baby boom at Lake Forest. Exactly Davidson. right. Yeah. So um, I was able to do the Meals on Wheels thing that we do here, yeah. and I got to meet some families that way, and that was a fun thing to do. And I'm a, I also was a greeter out front, and what a great way to start Sunday. Um, and then I, then the email came out about joining the launch team for the chapel service, and so that was my next big thing. Um, and I did that, and I love it. And what you all may not know, unless you've been to the chapel service, is Gail runs the chapel service now. No, so she doesn't. So that's why I call her chief. No, she and, doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but I love that one step led to another yeah. as you sought out, yeah. God, where's a sweet spot for me to serve, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, but the most beautiful part of this is as you took those steps, yeah. what started happening in your heart? Well, First of all, I learned that there is no sweet spot. There's a million sweet spots. It's, awesome. There's tons of things to do that were, were filling my heart. And it made me realize that my salvation was not just about me and Jesus. It was about me and you all and Jesus. And I get to do this forever and ever. Mm. And I get to be with people like, like you all. And it just... It filled me up. It filled my heart. And, um, mm. and that's what keeps me coming back. In a sense, eternity starts now. Yeah, it it's does. It's not the promise for the end. Yeah. It's, it's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and is. I love that this week when we talked, you had me in tears because you said, Holly, it's not that I'm fulfilled. It's that I'm filled. Fulfilled. Just filled. And then you said, I just want more and more. I do. I do. Um, I said earlier, um, you know, I, I like to color in the squares. You, know, you get something done, you check it off your list, you color in the square. And what I realize now is that there's always going to be a God square for me to color in. Always. I never have to worry about being done. Yeah. And I just, that just, and I learned that here. That's what I, that, I guess that's what I was looking for mm. when I first walked in the door. But I don't think I knew it then. You just keep on coloring, girl. Yeah, just keep on coloring. Keep Thank on. you. Thank you for sharing. You're the best. Well, I love, well, I love Gail, and I love that piece of her story because it so says what we want to dig into this morning, which is this. She moved, Gail moved from like an unconscious mindset of being a consumer to a very um, conscious diligence about pursuing God. And when she did that, as she did that, her life became more full. Relationship became more full. Purpose and meaning came into her life more fully. So we are individually and corporately moving towards Easter very purposefully this morning, in this season. And by purposefully, I mean this. We are individually and corporately saying to God, God, where in my life, in my heart, in my relationships am I broken? 
Where am I believing a lie that the world is telling me? Where is there a truth that I maybe have never heard or a truth I've known for a long, long time that's gotten dusty in my life? God, would you, would you show me that? Would you show us that? And so we're saying, God, would you root out in us brokenness and untruth and lack of knowledge or laziness? And would you put on in its place healing in your truth, in a right picture of who you are and who we are. So we are purposely, individually, and corporately as a church moving towards Easter saying, God, would you root out and then would you put back your goodness? Root out brokenness and put back your healing. You might be sitting here this morning hearing me say that and sound, that sounds terrible. That actually sounds terrifying to say to a holy God, holy God, show me where I'm broken. Show me where I'm buying into a lie that the world is selling. Show me where I'm not being truthful. And when we feel that feeling well up in us, here's what's happened. We've slipped into a wrong picture of God. We've slipped into picturing God as a rule maker. And he has all these rules that we need to follow. And he's watching for me to break one. And when I do break one, he is ready and quick to punish and criticize and condemn me. But that's not our God. That's not who we worship. Friends, the God of the universe that made all that we know and all that we are and all that we have yet to know, that God wants to intimately and compassionately love you. And part of that is to say, where are you broken? Where are you hurting? Where do you need healing? And then he compassionately and lovingly brings that healing into your life. It's not a condemnation. It's a, a compassion and a love that wraps around you and brings healing. And that brings full life. And that brings relationships that work. And that brings purpose and meaning. So we are looking back to the early days of the church. When, in, in the book of Acts, like when the church was being formed. And from that time on, the church has had a wisdom that there are like seven root brokennesses, root sins, that so much of our sins stem from. Maybe you've heard them described as the seven deadly sins. And so we are going to ask God individually to show us where this is showing up in our life and then to heal or root it out and put him in place of that. And this morning we're going to look at, ready? How do we root out sloth in our lives? And how do we replace it with diligence? Root out sloth and replace it with diligence. Now you might be thinking, okay, I mean, I get it. Sloth is like not the best human quality, but a deadly sin? I mean, that seems a little harsh. And that's because we think about it like our culture thinks about sloth right now. We think about, you know, said human laying on the couch with a bag of Doritos, right? And they're binge watching old reruns of The Office or Parks and Rec, right? Or maybe I'm two hours in on Facebook and Pinterest, right? And we think that's sloth. It's inactivity. It's laziness. But the church describes sloth very differently. The church says that sloth is apathy. It's a comfortable 
indifference. A comfortable indifference specifically about a holy God and about people in his world. A comfortable indifference. And if you push past that comfortable indifference and say, well, where does that come from? What does that really mean? If you push past it, what in essence I am saying is that we have a lack of love. That we can be indifferent about our love for a holy God and our sacrificial love for each other. And I want to dig into a root lie that I think sort of causes a lot of this in our life. And here's what it is. Last week we talked about this, and if you weren't here, pull it up online and listen to Michael's beautiful message describing well what sin is, because that is a messed up word in our culture, isn't it? He did a beautiful job, and it'll help your heart. But basically, sin is a rebellion against God in my heart. It's when I essentially have this feeling and this sense of, you know what, here's the deal, I secretly want to do it my way. Like, I want to live my life my way, make decisions my way. I want to think the thoughts I want to think. I want to make the plans I want to make. And it's, I want to do it my way, God. That's a rebellion in my heart against a holy God. And he is ready to say, let me come around that and let me bring my healing around that. And, and the thing that's so crazy is that it's because we are sinners individually, we're broken individually, and we make, you and I make societies, we make institutions, we make um, systems in our world. So get what this means. This means that our systems and our societies and our institution have brokenness and lies woven into them. The actual institution, the society, has brokenness and lies woven into it that it's putting on you. So here's what I think America's is right now. You ready? All day long, every day, very unconsciously, it is saying, here's who you are. You are a consumer. It's not the message that was was woven into my father's life because when my, in my father's generation, men went to college and then they went into the armed forces or they just went straight into the armed forces after high school because what was woven into their mind and soul and society was, you're a patriot. I mean, you're a servant. It is a part of you to serve other people. And at that generation, mostly women were home sacrificing and serving by doing everything by themselves and not knowing if he would come home. And it's not what it was when I was a child, when on my street, we knew every single person on our street, right? And, and if that person was hurting or if that person was celebrating, we were a part of that because what was woven into society then was, you're a neighbor. And these people aren't here by accident. Part of your responsibility and your role is to care for them. And here's what's woven into our hearts and souls and mind all day long, every day right now. You are a consumer. But I don't want to talk about what we're buying today. I want to talk about the spiritual root that grows in us. If we don't even realize that's who we are, what's being spoken over us, what grows in me spiritually if that's primarily how I see myself? And here's what it is. I'm the judge of what's good. And I should be the primary beneficiary of what's good. That's what consumers do. They judge what is good. 
and they obviously should be the primary beneficiary of what is good. For example, if we as a country said Patagonia has done something horrific, I mean, the country, that the company has done something horrible, and we all agree it's horrific, it's unforgivable, and we all individually and then corporately say, we're not buying Patagonia anymore. What would happen to that company? It would go away. It's very powerful. It almost sounds like the power of a god. One day Jesus was teaching, and um, crowds would gather around him because he was, he was so compellingly honest. He was so compassionate. He so resembled, he so was the, the, invis, the visible um, showing of God as he walked on the earth and the people hungered for that and so they crowded around him. And the religious leaders of the time were jealous, quite frankly, because the people used to crowd around them. And, and so they, de they devised a way to trick him and to trap him in his thinking and to expose him as not the great teacher that everybody thought he was. And they came up to him and they said, with all these people watching, they said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? So it's a trap because, remember, they didn't have the Bible. They were literally living and, and beginning to write the Bible in this time. So the Ten Commandments were all the holy words of God to them. Nobody would pick out one. It was a trap. And Jesus looked back at him and he said this, your whole reason for being on this earth, if everything else falls away, your whole reason for being on this earth is that you would love God with all of your mind and your heart and your soul, which is your will, and all of your strength. That's your whole reason for being here. And then you would turn around with that strength and that newness and love each other sacrificially. And friends, when I feel the difference as we move towards the cross of Easter, between the fact that my heart can grow indifferent about God, about you all, I can, I can grow cold and indifferent. I have that capability. That I slip into believing that I, I know what's good. And of course I should have that goodness. When I recognize that in my heart and then I hear Jesus' words, Holly, your entire purpose for being on this earth is to love God with all that you are. And then to sacrificially love each other. When I feel the gap between those two things, I say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Jesus asks a question that I think is at the heart of rooting this out in our lives. The story is, we read it earlier, it's in the book of John. John was Jesus' best friend. He wrote a, a biography of Jesus' life. And we call it the Gospel of John. And in that fifth chapter, he tells this story. The disciples and Jesus had gone to Jerusalem for a festival. And just north of Jerusalem, and they've excavated this pool in these in these. Uh, tears, these columns. And just north of Jerusalem, there was a pool. And if you can imagine it, there was a pool and it was surrounded by five levels of porches, like this, all the way around. And, and this place was heart-wrenching because the society had sold these people this woven in this lie to them, that in this pool, when the water stirred, it was an angel's wing stirring the water. 
And if, if they could be the first in that pool, they would be healed. Now picture this. This is who is on those five porches. The scripture says a multitude of sick, paralyzed, lame, lonely, hopeless, broken people. Believing society's lie that if they got in the water first, they would be healed. Letting themselves be defined by society's lie. Friends, do you see the spiritual blindness that society had sold them? Literally, Christ is standing in their presence and their eyes are fixed on the water. Because society has said the water will heal you. They don't even recognize him. And Jesus walks into this crowd of suffering people. And he, and he picks out one man. Because that's what he did. He had a tendency to, to show us in the way he lived. I don't see just a crowd. I see you. And I see you. And I see you. I see your story and your heart and your journey right now. And I'm in it with you. And so he picks out one man and he says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? See, he's, what he's doing there is he's rooting out the man's apathy. You might think the guy would say, yes, 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 I want to be well. But here's the truth about human nature. We can be suffering and quite frankly miserable. And we can choose to stay there because it's easier than changing. We can be indifferent. We can grow so cold that we're willing to just stay in our misery rather than accept God's good healing in our lives. And so he's rooting that out in the man. He's making him say, do you want this? Do you want to be well? And the man quickly explains, well, here's the thing. I, I've been, I have been paralyzed for 38 years. And every time the water stirs, I can't get there fast enough. And so it's never me. It's always someone else. He believed the lie. So Jesus looks back at him and he says this. He says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. I love that he says this because he could have just healed him. He could have just said, be whole, be healed. And he did that. But this time he tells him to do something. And this is what he's saying. If you really want to be well, if your heart really wants that, you're going to have to choose that. Yes, you will receive Christ's healing power, but now you need to do a new thing. You need to put on a new way. And Jesus is asking us that same question this morning. Do you want to be well? He's the healer. He's always has been and always will be the healer. Do you want to be well? Let me speak into the places in your life that aren't working, the broken places, the hurting places, and then let me show you how to do a new thing, how to put on my way, how to be diligent where there was sloth and indifference. Now here's the thing. You might be thinking, yeah, 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 I want that. I want that. And I have no idea how to do it. So I want to throw out a couple of things that I think are, are just crucial. And, and even if you've heard these, they slip from us so easily. And here's the first one. 
Spiritual growth or this process of replacing brokenness with God's healing happens from the inside out when you're a believer. See, it's the exact opposite of the world. The world tells you achieve, push, grow, develop. Achieve. I mean, it's, it's the exact opposite. Jesus says it's not about human effort and striving See, here's what he describes in his word. He says, when you step over the line of faith and go, I believe you are who you say you are, Jesus. I believe it. And maybe that's a, a really conscious thing and you can say, I know exactly when I made that decision. Or maybe you just turn around one day and go, I'm believing this now. When that happens in your heart, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. And this is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That is the power that indwells you when you believe and when you're walking with him. And so it's not about striving harder. It's about connecting more deeply. So literally, as I push, as I pursue God and desire God and want God, and as I connect with you all, the Holy Spirit's job is to change me from the inside out. Look at this beautiful verse in Philippians 2.13. It said, it says, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes, the good he wants to do in your life. See, here's what we slip into too. We think, okay, I believe that God will give me the strength. I just have to drum up the desire to do this. But that's not true. This verse is teaching us God will give you the desire and the strength if you ask him. In other words, if I feel stuck, if I feel like, man, I want this, but to be honest, I'm so used to this miserableness. I'm used to, the, it's not a great relationship, as a matter of fact, it's a broken relationship, but at least I know how to do it and it feels scary to make that change, then you can pray this prayer. Lord, please give me the desire. Please give me the desire because I don't have it right now, but I want it. And then please give me the strength. Please give me the strength. That's the first thing. That, that, that God, is, um, God is available and wanting to change you from the inside out. Spiritual growth happens from the inside out. But here's the second thing. God is always moving towards you. Always. That's the nature of everything that God is. He's moving towards you. And what that means is that God is right now trying to do something in your heart and your life. God is trying to do something in your heart and your life. And we will choose to do one of two things. Ready? Cooperate with that or sabotage it. You might say, sabotage it? What does that look like? Well, it looks something like this. You know what? I really agree with what they're saying at that Lake Forest Davidson place. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I think they're right. And I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about it a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I agree with that. That's good stuff. And then we make excuses for ourselves. And we make excuses for others. And we do a lot of talking and a lot of thinking, a lot of mental agreement. And the truth is that nothing ever really changes. The truth is that we can mentally 
agree with everything that God says in the Bible, and we can be living very, very dark lives at the same time. That's sabotage. Cooperate looks something like this. If you want to start searching out cooperate, I would ask two questions of yourselves. The first would be, what are you putting in your mind? See, stuff is going into your mind. I mean, we just talked about that. We don't even, we don't even see it. We don't even know. We don't even, we didn't even realize that we are a consumer. That's what's coming in every single day. So if you don't put something in your mind that's of God, this is why scripture is so important. Other people will put what they want there. They'll put what they want there. Look at this verse from Romans 12 too. It's one of my very favorites. It says, friends, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. If you don't put God's truth in front of what the world is saying, you will end up looking like the world. You get squeezed into the mold. You conform to the pattern of our world. Paul's writing and he says, no, I don't do that. Be transformed. Be changed. Root out the broken. Bring in the healing by the renewing of your mind. By the lining up of your mind with God's scripture. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Here's my second thought. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? Who's, who, who are the people that are mostly speaking into your life? Now listen, do not hear me say, I will be last in line to say, you should only hang out with Christians. Because if the people in my dorm hall when I was a freshman had done that, if they had not hung out with me and I was a big, fat, royal mess, then I probably wouldn't know Jesus today. So I'm not saying don't hang out with only Christians, but I am saying this. If this is the only time during the week that you're around Christians, you're probably going to get sucked out. You're probably going to get sucked into the ways of the world. You need people in your lives that know you and will speak, that love God and that will speak that into your lives. It's so, so important. And if you're like me and you've never been in a Bible study and you're like, that sounds terrifying. I don't know how to get to the scripture thing. Then go to one of our studies and just sit there and don't talk. We're good. We're, we're good like that. Just go. Or if you're, if you're like me and you're like, uh, I don't know, the whole Christian thing. I'm a little, if they knew who I was, they wouldn't want me here. That's not how we roll. That's not who we are. Take a step in. All right, one last thought. If I was you and I was hearing this message, and I was hurting, and I was considering replacing misery with a new way, here's what I would probably be right now. I would be trying to wrestle out, is it worth it? Because what you're talking about sounds scary. So I would want to know, is it worth it to truly cooperate with God? And so I want to just tell you stories, a couple of stories about you and what it looks like when you cooperate with God, what God does in your life when you cooperate with him. Is it true that work could take up 150% of our time? Absolutely. Whether you work out of the home or you work in the home, because there's always another dishwasher, there's always another towel to, to fold. And I will tell you, I see family after family who are near each other, but are not connecting 
to each other because work can take up 150% of our time. But when we cooperate with God, here's what God starts to do in our hearts and our souls. He says, you see those people? Maybe it's your friends or it's your college, you know, hangout people or it's your parents or it's a spouse. You see these people I've put in your life that you say are the most important people in your life. You're missing it. And cooperating, well, God, you'll hear this still small voice that says, Holly, who are you going to cheat? Who are you going to cheat? Are you going to cheat that one more task? Are you going to cheat that one more laundry hamper? Are you going to cheat those people that you say are the most important people in your lives? That's what cooperating with God will do. It will straighten it out. It will open your eyes. And here's another thing. There is a lie being woven into um, CSD's society and Huff's society and Carolina's and Davidson. There's a lie that's woven into that, and it's selling a story. Do you know what the story is? Do you know the story at your school that's saying, if you will live this story, it's all good? When you cooperate with God, he'll whisper to you, yeah, but what's your story? What's your story with me? And you'll be able to live a different way than everybody else's story. One last thought. Marriages. Marriages. I've seen marriages that were contract marriages, which just means we went to the altar and we made a deal, right? And it's years later, and you know what? I'm still in it, all right? I'm still here. Whatever. I'm not going anywhere. But don't ask me to change, <laughs> Because you know what? That's exhausting. Don't ask me to change. I mean, this right here is as good as it's going to get, all right? As a matter of fact, it's probably going to deteriorate before the whole thing's over, right? That's a contract marriage. And then one person starts to cooperate with God. And they start to live and love differently because of God in their life. And they say, Bill, I want you to become everything that God made you to be. I want, I will sacrifice, I will lay down my goals and desires and hopes and dreams so that you might win. I want to love you the best that I possibly can in God's strengths. And here's the thing, if he does that back to me, that's a covenant marriage. That's a covenant marriage. And that is what cooperation with God can do in marriages and with students and in our neighborhoods. So let me end with this question. Where might you be showing signs of comfortable indifference towards God or towards sacrificially loving other people? What would it look like for you to take a step? I mean, none of us is going to arrive this side of heaven. So don't think I'm talking like the end game here because I'm not. I'm saying, and, and that's defeating to think about all of this together. So here's a thought. What's one step that you could take to more fully cooperate with God as he pursues you? What's one step that you could take to root out apathy and to put in a genuine love of God and a sacrificial love of each other? Let me pray for us. Father, the truth is, it is frightening 
It's frightening how indifferent and busy and full of this world our lives, our hearts can get. I mean, we, we have a capability of becoming so numb to you and to each other. And God, for that, we purposely move towards your cross of Easter and we ask your forgiveness. Father, we say to you this morning, I ask that you would give me and my friends, that you would give us courage to want to root out indifference and to believe that letting you heal that will make our life more full, more purposeful. It'll have meaning that eternity starts now. Lord, would you give us the faith to believe that? We ask and pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.